Okay. Alright, hi, Sandy here from Ask the Pool Guy. And I from Ask the Pool Guy. With another conversation with Ask the Pool Ask Girl. Ask the Pool Guy. There we go. So I wanted to start off by mentioning that we had launched a while back, and I think we probably even talked about it on the podcast, that we were going to start a pool industry mastermind group on Facebook. I have to say that I am loving the interaction and it's doing what I guess I had hoped it would and I'm sure it'll grow into more. For now, we're connecting with people around the country. We've got people asking questions when they have something and they're looking for resources, ideas, advice, that kind of thing. And we are also getting to know some of the trends, like what type of equipment do people like, what don't they like, and it's just kind of a really cool collaborative place and everybody is pretty positive and helpful and upbeat. Well I think we set that tone also though if there's if there's negativity we're not gonna allow it number yes. one. But when we first when we first started that came up with the idea and we started it, I really wondered if we could find enough cool people for it to make sense. Because there's so many people in the industry that kind of don't seem to care about the industry and we don't want them around it that they're just poaching to try to get business out of really wanted it to be interactive with the people that really care. Their level of give a shit is really high that they wanted to do something and I am noticing there as well. I don't do much commenting but I do an awful lot of stalking and watching and I'm definitely uh, paying attention to all of all of the stuff. I probably should interact more. But one of the things that just happened the other day and you and I talked about this was you had asked the question about what type of equipment would people recommend and there's certain companies that their salespeople, their reps, are a little more progressive. And I guess this is to me a shout out to Jandy in that particular case because one of the Jandy reps is in the group and you had made the comment that we don't even know our Jandy rep here because they don't call on anybody. And he proactively said, what area of the country you're in, I'll make sure someone gets in touch with you. Yeah. And think about how powerful that is from their standpoint, from a company standpoint, manufacturer, just to stay involved in, in groups like that and keep their ears to the ground. Because we're here we're asking what's working for people and why, and it's a perfect opportunity for Hayward to jump in, for Penta to jump in, for anyone to jump in and say, well, here's why we think what we're doing is good and you should do it. And yet, where are they? They're gone, stuck in the old way, and props to Jandy on this. We're not even Jandy guys and gals. We don't do, no. we, I haven't done much Jandy stuff in years. Their automation, the, the Aqualink system was what I started with. That's what I have on at my house. And I loved it. But we never got that interaction from the reps and things. And But somebody obviously in the country, in the company is caring enough yeah. to get involved in groups like this and watch. And there's what, several hundred members in there now. And there's some interaction happening. But for someone to have their ear to the ground listening to what's trending and what's wanted, I think was spectacular. That makes to me, sense. that was big. And if somebody was smart too, because there's people from around the US and in Canada that are posting and we're talking about which equipment seems to be prevalent in that area. And I think that's a direct result of how much the reps interact in are that doing area. The work. So mm -hmm. if there's market share where there isn't much going on, yeah. that would be a wide open avenue to get in there and get interactive. Probably a good place for those managers that are managing the reps to look at why don't we have market penetration here? 
it give them an opportunity to look at the rep and say, what is the rep doing or not doing? Yeah. And again, a little bit of an accountability thing. Because so. if you knew that, that there was this metric and way of measuring beyond asking dealers, instead just sort of listening into the industry, yeah. I think it's a pretty powerful thing. And that's that interesting part about social media. Definitely. It's yeah. a really cool thing. So I like it. I am glad that the group is so active. Some groups, and we've done a lot on social media, in various platforms for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that this mastermind group that we have is very active. There's people posting just about time. every day, multiple oh, oh, times a day oh, from different day. people. Right. And that is great because mm -hmm. there's not a lot of groups that I've belonged to in the past that have had mm -hmm. that much engagement. So I'm really happy about that. Well, it's kind of cool. There's people just sharing what they're doing. There's people asking questions. Hey, I ran into this, what would you do? So it's not just, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing, but rather, look at this job I just sold. Does anyone have any yeah. insight as to what I should do? Well, and some of, of those thing. obscure things, too, like a, you know, a Venturi jet fitting, like, hey, what would you do? Is there any replacement? Or there was just another question about a plastic light niche that the housing was broken, what would you do? No. So you and I had that conversation yesterday. Where else in the past would you have been able to get this information and you were sharing what you used to do? The only thing that I could do, I know when I ran into situations and I needed to figure stuff out, the only thing I could do was literally wait for the show season, go to the show, take the classes of the people that I thought could answer my questions for me, hang around, wait around till after the class and go, hey, would you mind if I ask you a question? I did that countless number of, numbers of times because there wasn't the resource. There wasn't that ability to just go, hey, I have a question about, and, and one of my particulars was, I, I had a, uh, a project where we were doing sort of a behind the spa, this like sheer descent thing, and I needed to know how much water I needed to push in this to get a nice clear sheet. And I went right to the guy, and the guy goes, well, you need, you know, 10 gallons per foot if it's this material, eight gallons per foot if it's this, 15 gallons if it's this per foot, and then you calculate it out, you figure out what you need. And at that point, there wasn't just some resource out there. There wasn't a, a way of asking a question out loud. That was pre-website. That, that was that was pre, well, I mean, not pre, not completely pre-website, but pre-depth of content on the internet. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, we would have had a website then, others would have had a website, but they wouldn't, there wasn't that interaction. There wasn't that, how can I get to an authority and ask, ask, you know, ask this question without paying a consulting fee and blah, 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 which at that time I, I couldn't have and wouldn't have, I didn't think I could afford to do that. Yeah. But this is a way to just ask those questions out there and someone's going to have good input. Mm -hmm. yeah. We also did our last Facebook Live, speaking of reaching people around the country, when we were in Portland. We went out to Eugene and we were able to visit with David Owens of Owens Pools and go see one of his in person, which was great. So we did a little Facebook Live there and that whole relationship came about because of Facebook as well. We were using Facebook, kind of posting what we're up to and then along comes this guy who starts commenting on our stuff and Quite frankly, I didn't know how to take it at first. Like we didn't really know him, and mm -hmm. you know, it was didn't interesting. We liked mm -hmm. that there were comments coming, but I didn't always know how to approach it. And then we got to meet him in person in Las Vegas at the industry show, and that was fabulous. He's, you know, yep, meeting cool, him in person cool definitely solidified like the face to who's the whole doing these commenting thing. and things. Mm -hmm. And then we found ourselves in Portland, so we got mm -hmm. to go visit. So that's also 
just kind of a neat way of connecting. Ways of, yeah. of making things happen like that. I think those connections are important just to be able to connect in that way. And that's, again, part of social media. I had a conversation this morning with a guy. And we were talking a little bit about the difficulty of finding labor, the, the right labor nowadays, and how, you know, there's different segments of, of our industry and others that are kind of challenged with who and when and why and, and that. And I was mentioning that with the millennials of today who have lived their entire lives with social media and with the internet, expect that time. And I, I jokingly said, yeah, about a half an hour per hour they're going to want to spend, you know, interacting online while they're working and there's no sense of immediacy or hurry because there's always time for that one more Instagram post or that one more whatever and uh, and he was yeah you know something he was kind of going on and on a little bit old school about it and I said you know we've done very well in the world of social media so I completely understand its importance and now with this new generation we just have to understand that that is a part of and our industry needs to understand that's a part of the industry moving forward is the millennial belief system that they deserve that time to check that post to get one more post to do something and you know I found myself getting anxious at times watching on the job oh, come on we're in a hurry we gotta go oh, wait you know and, and there's one more thing of what they're doing or whatever and I was so I was explaining to him that I've just had to grow accustomed to it and there's nothing wrong with it because it's just not what I would have done, but we use social media and everything we do anyway, but I, I wouldn't use it in that way that a millennial uses it. But we're still productive, we still get work done, and allowing them that little bit of space makes it so easy for them to want to work for us. Well, the other thing it does too is when they have their phone so readily available, I ask everybody on the team to take pictures so we get those action shots of this step and that step. And we could chase them around with a camera, which we have done and we still mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. But some of that, just every day being able to glimpse a little bit of what they're doing is really good stuff. And it is really good when you pay attention to the heartbeat of that. It's when you big picture and look over it and go, wow, there's wasted time here, there's wasted time. There really isn't. They become more productive in doing what they're doing when you give them that five minutes to reconnect, to do whatever else they're going to do. Yeah. And I, I do know that that's a point of frustration with a lot of people in the industry, in all industries, is how do you deal with that? Yeah. And I think you deal with it by allowing it to happen. One of the other things technology-based that I've noticed, especially this season, because our head service guy, Mark, is so interested, I guess, in working on heaters, is there are so many obscure heater parts for old model heaters that he's able to go to diagnose and fix that I find myself online every day and it's usually hard for me to find the part if I go directly to the supplier's website because mm -hmm. searching that is so not as easy. So I go to Google, I punch in what I know about it, usually I find a website that has the diagram of the parts and then I can look who can get it to me quickest and what are the price points and I'll usually pay a little bit extra for speed if I know when it will arrive. So we are buying so many random weird parts, parts that I don't even have an idea how you guys would have done it back in the day. Uh, it was tough. I mean, it and literally, weeks and weeks. literally we had catalogs of those breakdown of parts of heaters and pumps and all the manufacturers. They still have them. We don't, we don't keep them around the office very often, but we would have those old manuscripts. 
So if it was a heater that was out of date, you kept the book because that way you could go back and find well, a part and track long, a part. How did you get the parts and you, how long did it uh, take? You have to call the supplier, give them the part number, see if they could find it or fax them the drawing, <laughs> oh, point yeah. to the part. Remember all of that? Yeah, it wasn't quick. Yeah. It wasn't quick. What would happen is people would have to wait. And yeah. the bottom line is we live in more of an instant world now than we did then where people go, I want it fixed today or tomorrow or the next day. They, you know, Amazon has allowed everyone to think in two-day increments because, boom, you have it in two days, you can fix it. So people think that way about their heaters, pumps, filters, whatever. In the past, if there was a part and someone didn't want to replace the whole thing, they had to wait. If you had a pump and it had a weird capacitor on it, but they weren't going to spend the money to replace the whole pump, they waited for a week or two until that part came in and you could get out and fix it. And they just had to deal with adding liquid chlorine, stirring up the pool and whatever. Today's world, and we're talking just 20 or 30 years ago versus today, no one would even imagine what, you mean I have to go out and add chlorine every day and mix the pool, you know, swim around in the pool to mix it by hand because my pump's not working? It just doesn't exist. But that's part of that mentality of the Amazon age, yeah. which is beneficial. You talk about all the little parts that you buy anywhere online, but look at how much pool stuff we buy on Amazon when it comes down to it. Yeah. Get it quicker than a supplier can get it, especially the obscure stuff. Usually cheaper than we can get it from a wholesaler yeah. in a lot of cases. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Or fortunately, I guess. It depends on how you look at it. Yeah. And, you know, but that's a whole other discussion right there. We have the expertise, though, to know what we're looking for. I think we have the advantage and why we can use the system, use Amazon as a fulfillment, is because we understand what we're looking for. Yeah. I think it would be really difficult for a homeowner to use it in the same way, yeah. re realizing they can probably get some stuff cheaper, but they really have to know what it is and know specifically and know the details. Yeah. and. And so they're well, less likely to. Speaking of Amazon, that is something that I know has been kind of in the news in the pool mm -hmm. industry because when Amazon got more popular or when any online store becomes popular, there's always kind of a contingent of brick and mortar or of maybe less progressive thinkers who don't really understand or don't like something. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, just as a personal shopper, if I can avoid walking into a store, I do. Number one, it takes time. Number two, I go in there for one thing, I end up coming out with 50, that's just the way it goes, which is good for the stores, I'll grant you, but I like being a little more efficient. And the other day, I was looking back at the Amazon history that we have, and I can track back to my very first order was a book which was The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, one of the the best and most profound books pivotal, that I think pivotal, I've pivotal read. Book Absolutely, yeah. pivotal. And philosophies in there that we still live by today. So I was able to look at my shopping history from that very first book. In the first couple of years, it was mostly books here and there. And then I remember the year that I figured out I could do Christmas shopping on Amazon. And it was delivered directly to me. I could think of exactly what I wanted. They shipped it. So that was really what got me interested in shopping on Amazon. And since there, I will tell you the account. I've been a Prime member, I think, since just about the beginning. Our shopping on Amazon exploded in terms of number of items and volume, but also more important, importantly, specialty things. I remember when we were doing the landscape lighting around pools. And we had a really hard time finding the light bulbs and the connectors and the different things to put the lights together. We had to drive two and a half hours away to go to a specialty light shop 
And then we discovered we can get that on Amazon, which that changed everything. Changed, changed a lot. Everything. Think about that. I remember those first early low voltage lighting systems I did. I would go, and if I had to, I tried to get them whenever they were in closeout. But I would buy the light fixtures at Home Depot or Lowe's, and literally take them apart and throw all the parts away just to get that little socket and the bulb. And instead of it being a 50 cent piece, it was a $18 piece because I threw all the rest of the stuff away. It wasn't functional. I wanted that little thing. And then we found the specialty shop, which now we were paying four or five bucks a piece for that little piece of ceramic, which was still way better, but again, two and a half hours later to get it to Amazon being able to buy a bulk quantity of 25 of them for you know $20. And that changed everything because it allowed me to think of, to play with the fixtures. Now the money could be in the fixture. It used to be a good portion of the dollar spent on creating the whole thing was a little ceramic piece because I had to scrap what it came from. Yeah. Now it's just a little incremental part and that extra $18 can be toward a more expensive Ship cooler. Or right, right. When trying to figure out a budget to make sure there's enough money to do it all, yeah. I would have to find the cheapest 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 because I had so much into the fixtures yeah. or the, the little pieces and now those are nothing and the bulbs are nothing you can buy a quantity of a whole bunch of whatever for pretty cheap yeah. and now LED makes it even better but here's the other interesting thing for me my journey with Amazon and you know my ordering has become very prolific on that as well yeah. because suppliers online supplying to Amazon the third-party people are always putting new product on there there's nowhere in the world that I could go and learn about LED lighting or about bulbs or about what's available or about the wattages. Nowhere in the world. I've searched everywhere that I could possibly find to get an instructional, here's what to look for, here's what's available, here's where you can buy it. Doesn't exist. Go to Amazon, start searching some keywords, and lo and behold, it starts suggesting these bulbs you'd never heard of or these colored things or these cool light versus warm light and the LEDs and the, you know, the wattages. And all of a sudden, it all the access to all of it was there and reasonably priced. And I would never have bought any of those. I would still be back doing exactly what we were doing. Without Amazon, there would not have been a solution. And so let's just go with the lighting and look at how much we've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just trying stuff. Kind of the R&D. You, you can't go to a local lighting store and have them go, here's 40 different types of bulbs and here's what they do. It just it doesn't exist. Unless you're on the inside and you're, maybe if you have the wholesale catalog when the new rep comes around and, and shows you the lighting, but there's nowhere that a guy that's not in the lighting industry can get that information, but I found it on Amazon. And look at what's happened to our lighting. It's yeah. just changed dramatically. So if we look at that, especially if people are still not sure about it, although I think most people are catching up with it when you can get those little pieces it can enhance everything else you do mm -hmm. and if people have been relying on monetizing the little things or the commodity things now there's the opportunity for you to get those and enhance your They're certain way mm -hmm. in what you do or in the way that you deliver it or the way that you share information so i think it's an opportunity to downplay the emphasis on kind of the parts and instead of making it about the stuff, you make it about the experience or about the emotions or, you know, there's just other ways. Here, here's a great 
just dollars example, as you're saying that, I was thinking about it. Remember I talked about the $18 fixture and the bulb. So if that bulb wasn't what I needed, I paid $18 for the feature, for the fixture. We paid another five or seven for the little bulb that I needed for that, whatever the wattage was. So now we're at like 23, 24, 25 bucks. And then I had to buy a fixture. $30 thereabouts for what I was trying. So I'm $55 into this thing. Which, you know, in terms of markup, let's say everything else being equal, I'm $55 into each one of the, in, into each one of the fittings before I've modified them and just raw material. Now I can get that fitting for 50 cents and I can get that bulb for a buck. I have $54 that could go into the fixture. So think about just the difference in terms of if all things being equal, I could put a lot more money into the cool factor, the, the customization. Yeah. yeah, instead of trying to find the cheapest, cheapest things so that I could wrap it all together and make money at it. And now, and, and that's just a small example, scale that way up to something else. But right now, you know, a $30 fixture versus a $54 fixture, there's a big difference. Yeah. There really is. You can get a lot of cool stuff for 50 bucks that you can't get for 30 bucks. Yeah. And, you know, again, it depends on where you go and whatever, but just a good example of utilizing same thing, getting the same, you know, using the same amount of money, but giving that custom cool factor. You're putting it into the, the wow of it. Not the function of it, but the wow of it. And that's kind of where the juicy, the juicy, uh, savory part of living is, is the, the fun, yummy stuff. Not the, I mean, some people get excited about the how-to mechanicals of things, yeah. which is understandable, but the majority of people want the results of what those things do. That's what we, we're trying to create today. Absolutely. Amazon changed all of that for me. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit, also wanted to do a shout out to our construction team, especially on the heels of this last week, because we are building a gunite pool, a full gunite. Most of you know that we primarily build hybrids, okay. which is the blend gunite and vinyl. We have a customer that really wanted gunite and we're willing to do because we've got the eco finish technology. Yeah, before that, that I wouldn't have even thought of a gunite pool if we didn't have That makes eco -finish. it awesome. Mm -hmm. So our crew, as many of you know, is primarily made of women on the construction side of things and this week we asked them to do a ton. There was the gunite shoot where they had, you know, we had a shot crew for part of the pool but they weren't able to finish the entire pool with us so it's our team of you know 20 something girls three of them in about that age range Karen who's on our team who who's significantly older than not that afraid of how old she is she still she moves better than some 20 year olds we know mm -hmm. and they kicked butt this yeah. week in how hard they worked and it's really interesting to see we talk a lot about labor and getting people to work and motivating them and our team is so awesome that no matter what it is even if it's something that they physically have no idea how they're gonna get done if you say you need them to do something they'll say okay let's try it or let's go and they put everything they have into it yeah. so that is an exemplary yeah, that, characteristic of the people on our team. I think this was an, an exceptional week for that. I mean, granted, they always do that anyway. We kind of note that they will. But this was an exceptional week because it was something so far out of the norm of what we'd ask them to do. And they all just delivered in a huge way. And I think the result is spectacular. And, and yeah. just recognizing when 
when given the opportunity, people will step up, and they all just stepped up a thousandfold. Yeah. I think if we took pictures of who is on our jobs every day, people, average everyday people, would be astounded at how few people we have work on our massive projects with millions of pounds of concrete that end up in those yards. I had made a joke when our team was doing the gunniting this last week that some traditional pool crews shot creating shot creating those will know wet gunite versus dry gunite okay pretty so, much universal anyway, so gunite pool but the wet shot shot pool, part. Yes, right. i had made a joke that a traditional pool company would probably have 15 grown men in the pool doing what our small team of a couple Cute of guys little girls and, and yeah, yeah yeah just crazy these girls yeah yeah, it's it's been just spectacular, just to see what they're capable of, and then pushing themselves to find that edge of their capacity. I think that's one thing that most of us never do. We never really push to see where the edge of our capacity is because it's easier not to. It's easier to be lazy. It's easier to just get a little bit sore and be done with it, instead of really pushing yourself to that edge and seeing what's possible. So a question for you because we got into that gunite discussion and I know we had a comment last week on our YouTube channel about the improper use of the word gunite. However, people traditionally refer to swimming pools in categories of gunite, yes. fiberglass, and vinyl. So gunite is... So technically it should be concrete, vinyl, and fiberglass. But gunite has become kind of a Kleenex gun word. Gunite is the, the term. Yeah. There's two types of gunite. There's dry gunite and wet gunite. Okay, so a very traditional gunite pool would be a re-rod shell with dry gunite. And dry gunite is sanded cement, dry, mixed together, pumped through a hose, and as it comes out of the end of the nozzle, you add water. Wets it up, makes it sticky, and it flashes and sticks to the pool, you build up wall. That's dry gunite. Wet gunite is shotcrete, which it comes dispatched from a concrete plant, pre-mixed, wet, and it has stone in it. Gunite, dry gunite has sharp sand and cement. Wet gunite has stone, sand, and cement. And what happens is in shotcrete, it's pre-mixed, dumped into the pump, runs through the hoses wet, it's already mixed, and when it comes out of the nozzle, you add air. And the air is what gives it that that pneumatically pumped. The, the, what gunite is is pneumatically pumped cement. So it could be a dry formula, it could be a wet formula. And a lot of people get a little hung up on that. If you say cement versus concrete, yes, cement is the binder that is used inside of the structure of concrete. Cement is the binder, and then you add sand and you add gravel. Concrete is the mixture of cement, sand, and gravel put together to create patios, porches, pools, or whatever. And it's just kind of fairly universal for us to say, oh, we're pouring cement today. Technically, we're not pouring cement today. We're pouring concrete today, but there's cement in the concrete. So some people get a little hung up because that's what they focus on. Again, from a technical basis, they're absolutely correct. But from an overall kind of functional, and layman's you know, term layman's use. terms, most people understand 
I have a, uh, have a cement driveway. No, you don't. You have a concrete driveway. But most people think of it, it's a cement driveway. So you just let that go because there is, in fact, cement in it. So that's that's kind of that different. And we, when you were saying gunite earlier, I could imagine someone going, oh, but gunite versus concrete, shotcrete. No, shotcrete is technically gunniting because gunniting is defined as pneumatically pumped cement, meaning you're pressing, pressing and pushing concrete through a hose. It's, it's pneumatically applied. It's just that one's a wet gunniting process versus a dry gunniting process. So, and it's all the same. You'll hear most people will go, oh, that's a shotcrete pool, or that's a gunite pool. They'll just say, that's a gunite pool. Can you, upon first glance looking at it, tell the difference? In raw form, yes. Completed, no. no. Okay. In, in raw form, you certainly can. And here's the difference between shotcrete and gunite when it comes to what you're going to see as a finish. Shotcrete has stone, aggregate, so it's larger. It has pea stone in it. So you're finishing, when you're finishing your final details, you're, it's not going to be as clean because when you're cutting it, you're cutting stones and you're popping stones out, pulling, so it's not going to be quite as precise. Whereas dry gunite, when you cut it and trim it, you're just trimming away sand and cement, so you're going to get more precision angles and cuts and things. And there's an advantage to that in terms of the precision, but technically if you look at on a microscopic level, a shotcrete pool has a higher PSI to it. It's a stronger pool than a gunite pool. Now, for most situations, either one acts just fine. In some cases, if you have a really high pressure load on it, a shotcrete pool, shot pool is going to perform better. But usually for most residential pools, one or the other is going to work just fine. And certain things will be specced out if there's you know an, an enormous amount of pressure on the pool or the pool shell you're going to want to do it in shotcrete if you possibly can and the primary reason is number one the psi but also when it's when it's dispatched from a plant and mixed you're going to have a lot more consistent mix throughout versus gun dry gunite when you're mixing it on the job you're you sometimes get streaks of sand or streaks of cement so it's not structurally quite as strong is it enough to really sell on? I don't know. I know there's guys that do that. Well, but I don't do gunite. I do shotcrete. It's stronger. Technically, it is. Is it enough of a stronger for a homeowner to really understand? Not unless they're a hardcore engineer who really needs to know the, the structural base, which that's kind of blown out of the water, too, because all of the research is done in a controlled laboratory. If you get in the field, field conditions change everything. You can do one thing in a controlled environment and get a different PSI than using that exact same mix. If when the moisture is different, when the temperature is different, when the whatever is different, you're because concrete is a living, breathing thing almost that it's changing molecularly over time. It's curing over 20 years. So, a controlled environment, it's easy to control the everything. In a real work environment, you might have wind, you might have rain, you might have dry, you might have wet, you might have all those different conditions. The, the ground, a certain ground, sand is going to draw moisture quicker than, than, than clay. And so all those things go into play, and that's why I know I don't get hung up on the, the minutiae details of the, this specific PSI versus this. We practice good placement techniques, and we know the product well enough. And I think that's really where people need to be, is instead of getting too lost in that. Unless that's your selling distinction, which some people use it as that. To me, I wouldn't. Yeah. So, long answer for all of that, but that's this big quagmire of blah, 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 but that people get really hung up on.
in the industry and out of the industry because they don't know. I guess it's something that gives them meaning to talk about, I suppose.